Coming up on the Money Beat Podcast, it has been a week filled with tragedy, but the markets, they rarely shut down for tragedy. What they really do is they trade it. This is Money Beat. Everything you need to know about money and the markets, and then some. Now, financial food fight. Uh, I'd like to say happy Friday, everybody. And it is, it's not a, a, an awful Friday, but this has been a, a really heavy week for tragedy. And, and that's what we're going to kind of discuss. That's why I can't really say happy Friday. But welcome to the food fight. Paul Vigna, Steve Grosser here in the studio. Chuck Jaffe on the phone from Boston. And two of our colleagues from London also on the phone, James McInchat, Tosh, and John Sidrew. Gentlemen, how are we all today? Good. I know. Well, thank you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what we want to talk about is it, it's what a, what a week, right? You know, here in the U.S., start the week off with just a, an awful tragedy in Orlando. Uh, then on Thursday, another terrible tragedy in the U.K. Joe Cox, member of Parliament, assassinated, gunned down on a street in, in Northern England. And what I want to get at, and, and James, you wrote about this uh, quite eloquently, and that's why we want to talk about it is. As bad as these events are, and as much as we respond to them as human beings and their tragedies, the market has to take a different approach in its response. And you saw it on Thursday in the markets in in just such a blunt way. Yeah, the markets are uh, you know cold calculating machines when it when it comes to these big emotional events. So. Um, the, the, the markets ultimately don't care. They're, they're weighing and doing things that most of us would think uh, hard about doing, putting a value on human life, um, trying to work out what impact, uh, in this particular case, what impact uh, there might be on the outcome of the referendum uh, from the, the brutal uh, killing in the street of a British MP. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are these are things that are that are very difficult, particularly the emotional as the emotions are running very high about what's going on. Uh, but uh, you know, to some extent, this is this is the point of markets. This is what they're for. Um, and of course, uh, it's also what people is you know one of the things people are talking about. They're not only talking about how. Uh, tragic it is that uh, two children are without their mother, and that um, you know one of the one of the real rising stars of the Houses of Parliament here in Britain are uh, you know is, is gone. Um, uh, you know, tragic as these things are, they also are part of a, a bigger narrative. And of course, one of the things that will have been discussed behind the scenes in the by the campaigners around the referendum is exactly the same thing that the markets are thinking about, which is what impact will this have on how people vote? Um, the, the immediate market reaction was to conclude that it will change how people vote um, and that it reduces the chance of Britain leaving the European Union. Um, of course, the, the vote comes up on Thursday, so it's really very, very close. Um, there was a, a very sharp market move. Uh, the pound was the most obvious beneficiary of that. Um, sterling had been sold off very heavily and rebounded very sharply. Um, but that, that uh, broadly speaking, we saw uh, similar sorts of moves in all other risk assets around the world. Um, so you saw uh, shares rebound, you saw the euro rebound, and uh, safe havens, things like gold and um, the, the Swiss franc, um, that had been rising uh, fell back again. Um, it was also reflected in the betting odds. Um, so uh, the punters out there 
had been putting uh, sort of 44% probability at one point um, at the peak, and that's now dropped back down to 37%. Um, and, you know, it's the, the, the markets are watching these odds very closely um, in the absence of uh, any real decent information to go on. What, uh, besides the markets, I was I just wanted to sort of get a sense of what is the mood sort of in the UK right now and also the mood toward this referendum. It's the only thing that people are talking about. Um, uh, the bulk of people in the city of London, uh, of course, are uh, making, making their money from financial activities uh, uh, and a large chunk of that is dependent on integration with the European Union. So um, the, you know, whilst there are some exceptions to that, broadly speaking, most people in the, in the city and in the financial markets in London would like to see uh, Britain remain in. Um, on the other hand, they're also very aware that, that what they want can interfere with their judgment. And when it comes to, when it comes to trading and trying to make money, of course, uh, they're trying to overcome, many of them at least, are, are trying to overcome a sort of wishful thinking and uh, take a take a, uh, a, as informed a view as they can. Um, and it, it had, before the, before the killing of Joe Cox, it had looked, uh, all, all, everything had been moving, all the polling uh, and the betting odds and the financial markets had all been moving together to price in uh, a much higher chance, in fact, a a higher chance of Brexit, according to the polls, of British exit, that is, higher chance of that than of staying in. Um, and that was worrying a lot of people. Hmm. You know, and, and again, it gets to the this sort of uh, split that you're talking about here is, is you've got, you know, I'm looking at some of the UK websites, the news websites, and, and Joe Cox is on the top of the front page of every website. I mean, this is... Well, a, absolutely. I right. Mean, you know, I, I mean, you know, I mean... This is, a, you know, in, in, in any country, you know, the, the cold-blooded killing of a, of a right. member of parliament in the street um, would absolutely be top news everywhere. Right. Um, on, on top of that, she was a very popular member of parliament. She's very, she's very new. She'd only been there for a year. Um, she, she isn't a government minister or anything like that, but she was already making quite a, quite a mark and quite a name for herself within, uh, within the local political scene and um, uh, was, was very widely liked. Um, uh, but I think, you know, even if she had been uh, widely detested, you know, this is still the killing of a member of parliament. This is very, very big news. What did, do you, what is the, how is the tone of the campaigns sort of, I mean, they've called them off right now, but well, how has that changed? It's very tricky, I think, for both sides, this, because at the moment, neither side, neither the, the, those campaigning to leave nor those campaigning to remain in um, wants to try to claim or try to explain this. Um, uh, the, uh, they will have to be very careful how they talk about the killing because any, any sort of crass attempt to claim her as a martyr for the leave camp or something similar could backfire horribly. Right. Um, so... Uh, you know the, the the emotions around, you know around, you know what is after all the death of a human. Um, it's a it's a very tricky thing for the for for both sides. Um, and uh, we we really want the financial markets look like they you know they made a snap judgment that this was going to uh, make exit less likely. 
um, it's far from clear that it will have uh, you know a solid effect um, one way or the other and you know a lot depends on how the campaigns end up uh, responding to this when when campaigning restarts Hey, uh, Chuck Jaffe, you've been around the markets for a long time. You've, you've certainly seen your share of events like this in the marketplace. What do you what, what do you make of all this? Well, I mean, you know, the only question the market ever asked when something along these lines happens is, hey, too soon? I mean, you know, we can talk about all the, the bad jokes or anything else, but all the market really cares about is when is it time for us to be investing and making money on this? And the answer is it's never too soon. The You know, go back to... Uh, 9-11 and you know they were betting on the airlines or betting against the airlines and what have you uh, even as they waited for the market to get open so I, I think that that is sort of a sad but but real and and inevitable sort of thing that you're going to be facing here yeah and we, we saw it actually i mean another thing obviously this week the the shooting in in orlando um, mm-hmm. uh, had an immediate impact on the share price of a British company, G4S, uh, which was the employer of the shooter. Um, hmm. its, its shares right. dropped right. very sharply, in, in spite of the fact that there's no there's yeah. no suggestion, at least so far, that the company I mean, that's, had done that's anything the wrong. Um, but uh, it, its right. shares instantly fell quite significantly. Yeah, and you know, I mean, even worse, the, the gun manufacturers here, the publicly traded gun manufacturers here in the U.S. on Monday morning. We're all trading higher, and uh, trading significantly, significantly higher because the 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 market math is terrible. Shooting probably will lead to some movement in terms of gun laws. So people who want guns are going to rush out now and buy guns. So we should be buying gun manufacturers. I mean, it does not get any more cold blooded than that. It, it just doesn't. And, 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 and it well, doesn't make them wrong. And, and, well, actually, I would say in the case of buying the gun manufacturers, it does make them wrong because this country has not had a, had a long history yeah. of passing gun regulation right. in the wake of one of these mass shootings. Whether this one is different or not is still a question, well, but that has not happened. It, it doesn't make the, the investors wrong going out and buying Right, that's shares. true. Right, that's, that's all I meant. That's all yeah, I that, meant. No, then that's a, that's that's a very right. fair that's, point. Sorry, what I mean is that, you know, whilst... whilst you know, there's been no, no, no uh, clampdown on guns in the states, and you know, may or may not happen this time. It, but there is a surge in in gun purchases almost every time after after no, a you're right. mass killing. So yes, but that means gone. that it's not the investors who are doing it; it it's the traders. Yeah, it's, right. Hey, right. there's going to be a spike. I'm going to take advantage of, you know, of the little guy or what have you who goes, oh, it's probably a good time to do this, when ultimately, long term. It does very little. Yeah. Hey, before yeah. We, in, in the case of yeah. Brexit, of course, it's going to be very interesting because it's uh, you know it's not long term. We're talking here about Thursday, um, right? And the markets themselves can be part of the feedback loop into the people's decision making. So, if the markets were to crater in the next few days, that would uh, be a, uh, something that people might consider when they saw their their uh, shares falling and saw on the news that shares were falling. But, um, but i got to ask, do you actually think, I mean, as I look at it, and admittedly, I'm thousands of miles away, but as I look at it and talk to experts about it, if I had to, and I've talked to people on my show about it pretty much every day this week, and if I had to take the consensus, the consensus here is that 
functionally this is going to be Britain's version of the Fed, and you know, will they or won't they raise rates, that it's not going to happen this time, but that it very well may happen the next time, and then it's what happens with the market in the middle. Well, about the next time. Um, I mean, there isn't there isn't going to be another referendum if this one after this one. Uh, if this is a vote to stay in Europe, there isn't going to be another referendum for a very very long time. Um, you know, one can say it's at least it's off the table for a decade after that. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I can't see that coming up again anytime soon, um, particularly after the, the complete catastrophe that this one's been politically. Um, uh, no, no, no government in their right minds would want to call another referendum. Um, so I, I don't think that's an issue. Um, it's much more down to what will the decision be, and if it is a decision to leave, what will the markets then do, which is which you know, could be really quite nasty, at least in the very short run. Yeah, let's, you know, b- before we get too deep into that, let's take a break here and we will come back on the other side of this. Hi, this is Kevin Sintemong. This is Beth Cracklauer. Check us out on the Off-Duty Podcast. We talk about food, cocktails, all of the finer things in life. Check us out at wsj.com slash podcast. And become a subscriber on iTunes. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Food Fight. Paul, Stephen, Chuck, James, and John uh, all talking about the markets and how do we respond to these big events. And, John, I don't think you got a lot of airtime in that last segment, so I, I want to start with you because you wrote an interesting piece on, on the Money Beat blog today, and it kind of gets to the heart of what we're talking about, which is how do you deal with the uncertainty of what is going to happen in a week, and how, how do you deal with that from an investor's standpoint, and what has been happening on that front? How do you hedge these bets, and, and what are we seeing? Yeah, we, we've seen, uh, at least my impression is that investors have been quite puzzled by you know how to hedge this at all. Um, um, we've discussed uh, before in the show that, you know, uh, investors are not sure what would happen with guilds, um, so the UK debt. So it's, that's already a problem. And then, of course, it, it, it seems to all be down to the pound. It seems to be uh, what has reflected, you know, what investors are doing better. Um, pound has lost, you know, a good chunk of its of its value, even though it, it's, it, it has to be said that it's also been sort of um, hovering around, you know, the same levels for a while. Um, and, but you know, a, a way of, of directly gauging what the uh, what the uncertainty is is to look at the uh, one month implied volatility. These contracts that sort of, you know, um, tell you what the cost of insuring about uh, against great swings in the currency are. And we did see them uh, sort of um, as, as as soon as this one one month sort of came into play because the referendum was one month into the future. We sort of. Uh, saw this contract surge uh, way more than we, for example, saw during the Scottish referendum or during the two last general elections uh, and two 2008 levels. And we do seem in the last few days, not not just since the assassination, but um, even before, we have seen uh, this implied volatility, volatility come down a little bit, um, kind of sort of uh, pointing to the fact that maybe, you know, this is as... as as uncertain or as priced in as, as as we can get, maybe not. Like it's 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 hard to gauge. Um, lots of investors seem to mention that part of the problem with this is not just not to know how to hedge, but the fact that the few hedges that are available and you know trading volatility could be one of them. 
um, seem to have gotten very expensive. So at some point, it feels like by the time they wanted to hedge, it sort of became too late and too expensive for them to do so. So uh, there seems to be a general puzzlement about this. So one of the one of the questions I think we've had here is the U.S. stock market has been down, you know, it was down up until yesterday, five straight days, but not significantly. Yeah. Um, it seemed to be taking this in stride, where you saw other markets having much bigger sort of reactions to it. And uh, you know, one of the questions we've been just talking about, sitting around, you know, the office, is just when are the when are when is the U.S. stock market going to kind of wake up to this vote? Um, you know, you looked. One of the interesting stats we saw earlier this week was the VIX jumped twenty three percent, and it was the biggest jump on a day when the S and P declined um, less than one percent. Um, Showed showing that people are nervous, but it hasn't really trickled into the stock market yet. Yeah, and also let's remember that there's been a global dash for safety. Um, uh, from talking to investors, it seems that the U.S. job market report it really had a lot of influence. Like yeah. uh, they really cared about it, not just mm-hmm. you know from the point of view of investors saying, "Oh, you know, this is not what we expected." But I think their models were, from from what I hear, they were also telling them, you know, that this made little sense. Uh, so so we must keep in mind that there's been a global dash for safety of which. Brexit maybe is just a little part of it. Um, we, we've had our debates here. I don't know. Maybe James will think differently. Um, I, I, I'm sort of of the view that um, the stock market hasn't isn't really showing Brexit that much uh, in the sense that the classic thing that everybody will tell you is that, of course, FTSE 250 companies, so so the the smaller ones, which are you know, 50% of their sales on, are in the UK. So everybody says, oh, these companies would get hit really hard, not mm-hmm. so much the bigger FTSE 100 ones. Um, but you really, I mean, you do see a small underperformance of FTSE 250. So if you want to see it as Brexit effect, I guess you can. I'm personally not very sure. Um, uh, U- Eurozone stocks have declined much more than UK ones. I, so I you'd think I that if that was Brexit... So if you look at the, the FTSE 250 is the mid-caps, basically. They're, 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 they're a bit too small to make it into the FTSE 100, but still liquid enough to be decently traded. They're not, they're not tiny companies. Um, you know, around the world this year, uh, mid-caps have mostly outperformed large caps. In the UK, they've underperformed large caps. And that's because the FTSE 100 contains a lot of big companies, people like Glencore and so on, who are exposed to uh, foreign currency earnings. There's lots of companies listed in Britain that aren't really British in any way. Um, uh, And so they're not really affected. It doesn't matter to them whether Britain's in or out, um, at least at a a sort of high-level earnings point of view. Um, And if the pound goes down, that just means their share price denominated in sterling goes up. Uh, so the FTSE 100 is much less affected and has been much less affected, whereas the, the small caps have been more affected. Um, and in fact, you can see it today um, in the performance that the, uh, as, as people have become more relaxed today about Brexit and not so concerned, the FTSE 250 is outperforming by about one and a half percentage points ahead of the FTSE 100. So you are, it's definitely in there. Uh, but this is something that the, the, it's not so much in the in in the you know in terms of the size of the effect. It's much more in the options markets than it is in the cash markets. 
And I think that comes back to the difference between the VIX and the S&P. Uh, the VIX had this massive rise. The S&P, really, you, you can barely see it. I mean, it's still right, not right. that far. A couple of good days trading, and we're back back to a new yeah. record in the S&P. Um, but, uh, you know, the VIX is obviously still, again, it's come down a bit today as people have calmed down, but it, still pretty elevated in 19 points so you've got a you've got a um a problem with people wanting to hedge something and finding that the obvious the most obvious hedge is just much too expensive which is that uh, implied volatility on the pound the cost of hedging so let me me ask you guys and we can kind of go around the the horn here it is uh, as we record this the markets are still open in the u.s In, in london you guys are already getting into the weekend there uh, put yourself in the place of the average investor looking at the markets this weekend, uh, looking into next week. You have the big vote on, on Thursday. And, and Chuck, you talk to investors a lot and you offer a lot of uh, financial advice. So let's start with you. What, what should investors do in the next week, if anything? I was, I was going to say nothing. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're an average investor, you know, if you wanted to make – I certainly could make a case – if somebody wanted to tilt a portfolio to Britain and, and do whatever and say, hey, I could see a bounce or whatever, but for the average person, the yeah. average person, this doesn't change anything. It's not going to change your asset allocation, and you're not going to get to, you know, if, if you're 45 years old, you are not going to reach 65 and go, man, if only the week before the vote on the Brexit, I had opted to radically overhaul my 401k. You're, you're, you, you, you think know, that. Would, you think that now. No, that's historically what happens with every one of these events. Yeah. You can go back. I mean, you know, the, the worst day in market history that any of us, that any investor alive today lived through was Black Monday 1987. And, you know, we're now well past it. We're almost 30 years past it. There's nobody who was 35 on that day who's going to get to next year and go, well, that's it. I've got to keep working for five more years because I wasn't out when the market had that. And if that's the ultimate outcome, it's a pretty safe bet that you're not going to look at this and go, wow, what an opportunity I gave up. If you're smart enough and savvy enough to be opportunistic and you have the confidence, knock yourself out. But yeah. you've got to worry that what you're going to do is actually knock yourself out. Right. Yeah. I've got to say, I, I came back from, from home in Barcelona like a month ago, and I, I, for some reason, still have some, you know, a lot of pocket money in euros. So I have this long position in, in, in euros, and I, I was thinking about <laughs> whether to do with it. And, and honestly, I don't know. Like, I, I, I myself, I'm, I'm puzzled by this referendum. Uh, James, what do you think? Well, I have to say, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I have a, a, a 10 euro note in my hand, which is really neither here nor there. Um, but I have quite a few Swiss francs here in uh, physical Swiss francs, um, and I'm quite pleased I've got those uh, over the last uh, over the last uh, few weeks. Um, I, I would say for the for the average investor uh, who doesn't have a view, the problem they've got is this is a coin toss event, so it could go either way. Uh, you've got a real difficulty of how you invest that. Um, and you know the the natural thing is to say either do nothing and just keep your fingers crossed or hold a bit more cash mm-hmm. i certainly wouldn't be buying bonds at these levels um uh but you could hold a bit more cash in the hope that than you normally would uh, that then gives you some protection if the markets fall sharply you can buy back in um after after the sell off 
But, of course, you have to accept if you do that, this is a coin toss event, and if the coin comes down for, for, or the voters come down for remaining in Europe, you are quite likely to get a very sharp rally in all sorts of assets that have been depressed, and you'll then have to buy back in at a higher price that you'll have missed out on. So it's, a, it's one of those events that's just really hard to trade. Yeah. Most yeah. investors here are just saying, you know, we don't want to go to our clients and explain to them why we made the, right, the wrong call. Uh, that, that what James said feels yeah. absolutely right. Like they just don't want to be the ones who, you know, came out and said, we'll do this. And we were wrong. Right. So right. everybody is just waiting for, you know, the coin to be tossed. Yeah. All right. Well, we will wait also. Uh, James, John, Chuck, I want to thank you guys for, for phoning in. You were not phoning it in. You phoned it in. You phoned in. You didn't phone it in. Uh, Grocer, Paul, in the studio in New York. Everyone, have a good weekend. We'll catch up with you next week. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.